you know, like what, you know, nobody wants failure. Nobody enjoys making a mess of something or having something not work. But one thing the church needs a huge dose of, and I'm speaking of myself, is I need a constant, constant infusing of humility. Shall we talk about today? Hmm. Okay, I'll give you a choice. Light and fluffy, mindless topics, or the deep stuff. The hard stuff. The let's roll up our sleeves. This might get messy, but oh, it'll be so worth it stuff. Yeah, well, you probably figured out that the light, fluffy stuff is not so much what we do here on the Isle of Misfits. At least not today. Uh, You can get that on BuzzFeed. But I promise you, it'll be (laughs) oh so worth it because today we are here to talk about having hard conversations important conversations with someone who literally wrote the book about the art of hard <laughs> conversations in fact that happens to be the name of her book which i think is an amazing coincidence well it's not really but i am so glad to welcome <laughs> her so i'm going to do that right now welcome Lori Rolleveld to the aisle. Did I say your last name correctly, by the way? You absolutely did, and thanks. I'm very excited to be talking to you. Well, I'm excited to be talking to you, too. So, you know, so I've been meaning to confront you about a few things, you know, if that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I just... No, no, forget it. Interview (laughs) over. (laughs) I I just had to do that. I'm so sorry. I'm probably not the first one that's done that either, or the last. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, no, I really really am excited about this book. I've been reading through it, and um, really practical stuff, honest stuff, um, stuff that... It's been helping me, so I know it's going to be helping other people as well. Great. So, um, you know, I, I hope you don't mind if I, you know, consider you something of an expert on the art of conversations, um, you know, as per the book. So as an mm-hmm. expert, yeah, I wanted to start our conversation out really on a lighter note, but an important note nonetheless, um, by playing a stupid game. All right. Go All right. for it. Okay, so she's she's already said yes, and so here we go. So here's your stupid game. As you know, and as my listeners know, I try to uh, tailor-make them for each guest in the time-honored tradition of our forefathers. So your game, this is what it's called. We're calling it The Worst. So how it works is I'm going to give you three conversation killers. And all mm-hmm. you got to do, this is all you got to do. There's no wrong answer. That's the beauty of this game. You're going to pick your favorite worst and tell me why. Are you okay. ready? Okay. All I'm right. ready. Just three. Just three. So, all right. Okay. We got your low talkers, like on Seinfeld. You know, the low, mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. low talkers. The phrase, whatever, and <laughs> turning everything around and making it about me. Oh, yeah. By the way, that reminds me about a story about me. So, there you go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the worst. There you go. That's the worst. <laughs> Really? Turning everything around and making it about me. Well, because we, like, we even do that. People do that who are self-centered and narcissistic, but you, Christians do that too. Like, sort of unintentionally by by way of helping. Oh, your you know your family member died. My family member died once, and this is what happened. And like suddenly, the whole conversation's about you and not about the other person. So. Oh, darn it, because I was going to do that throughout the rest of this interview, so now I've got to, like, totally change my paradigm. So, <laughs> no, um, excellent answer. No, none of them would have been wrong, of course, but, yes, you make a very cogent point, and, um, yeah, yeah, so I'm going to try not 
to make it about me. So let's talk about you. And Oh, and by the way, for doing such a great job, I'm going to tell you right here, right now, you're going to get your own Isle of Misfits official mug. It's coming. Oh, that's coming. exciting. Well, I'm excited to offer it because I used to give this empty promise to my guests, guests, <laughs> <laughs> to my guests um, about sending them a t-shirt, which I didn't have, but I have mugs now. So there you go. Okay. So it's a real mug. Well, I love coffee, too. so mugs are there always welcome. And it makes it taste more awkward because that's my own your awkward tagline so coffee tastes twice Perfect. as awkward so there you go congratulations excellent job let's move on let's talk All about right. this book so this book you know i i love how you've formatted it but um be, i guess before we even get into that so this i'll just ask the question it's it's the obvious question but i'm gonna ask it why mm-hmm. why why'd you write this book um, all the books that I write come out of a struggle that I have. So even though I have, I have become um, somewhat of an expert on this topic and I'm still learning, that's why I call it an art because you've never done learning about how to have hard conversations. It came from my struggle to have them. I, I don't like conflict. I, if I get food that's not cooked properly in a restaurant, I just eat it. I don't send it back. And, you know, I tip extra. I'm just, like, really bad with conflict. And yet, when I, but I'm very serious about the Lord, and when I go to the Bible, I see all these different um, commands that are getting, lead me into conflict, no matter how I do it. So I have a choice between getting over myself or obeying the Lord, and for me, that meant getting over myself. And that was, um, that headed me down the road of really learning how to have hard conversations God's given me lots of opportunities in my life to do that, in both my personal life, in ministry, and in my day job. I, I, his sort of, you know, God's sense of humor is to give you these things that are impossible, and then he shows you how to do them. So um, for me, who's afraid of my own shadow, I work having hard conversations all day long in my day job and and on my ministry opportunities, too. So I, I realized that if I could learn to do this, that... I could probably help other people who are like me to do it and to do it better and to be stop being so afraid of, of it. That's what God helped me to. I still am not a fan of entering a hard conversation. I really get nervous, but now I have more tools and I have more confidence and I have a lot less fear. Tools, confidence, less fear. That's a winning combination right there. And I've got to say, I love, I love how God does that. You know, oh, I'm no good at this, God. Oh, that's good, because that's the very thing that we're going to work on now, is mm-hmm. that, thing, that right. thing you feel so weak about. Uh, I'm going to show up in that. So that's that's wonderful, actually. This is so encouraging. So you have these tools, you have these practical situations, a lot of stories, and each chapter um, has has lessons, right? And, and the lessons mm-hmm. are followed up by what you call artwork. There's an artwork section at the end. So tell us a little bit about that. I wanted to to emphasize that this is an art, and this isn't a kind of book that you can just read. Just like if I wanted to do karate and I read a book about karate, I wouldn't be a black belt at the end. Um, Same way with hard conversations. You can read the book and not do any of the practice, but I don't know that it's going to make a a large effect in your life unless you put it to practice. Oh, so you actually got to do stuff? Oh, you can't do stuff, but I have all this knowledge. I don't want to actually do it right and so i broke it into little sections so you know that people can do when they're studying on their own or it's all set up so if you want to do it with a group 
the the artwork sections are great for pulling in important scriptures and for simple skills that you can try so that if you want to do this on your own, you can give yourself assignments during the day. You can do the assignment, but if you're doing it in a group or you can do it with your family and at dinner time, everybody practices that, you know, one particular conversational skill. I love that. I love that. I, I joke, I jest, but yeah, the idea of this isn't just about getting gaining more cerebral knowledge. This is about getting tools, as you say, to, to try mm-hmm. out and, you know, trying means, hey, there might be, it might get a little messy. It might not be perfect, but if at first we don't succeed, right? We try, try again. And these tools are meant to, to help us get better. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. My my heart is really for, I write for everybody, and I'm sure this book will have something in it for just about everybody, but my, my heart is for people who have been walking with the Lord for a while, and we know our Bibles, but we need to, like, really be living our, what the God, what the Word of God says. And so it's about that encouragement to, like, okay, you know this. Now, can you know it in a way that puts it into practice and just understand you're going to do it badly at first, just like everybody does everything badly when they first try it, but keep trying. Oh, isn't that the truth? And why are we so afraid, you know, of doing things badly? Why? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, with hard conversations, there's some legitimate reasons that people have fears. I mean, some of, Mm -hmm. some of the fear is, is about us and not wanting to look bad, but, you know, some of it is it comes from a really good place of not wanting to do more damage in the name of the Lord, not wanting right. to make situations worse, especially in our times. The church's faults are really public conversation, and so um, we should own up to that, and yet our enemy uses it to, to make us cower and be quiet, and I feel like you know, just because we do it badly doesn't mean we're not supposed to do it. We need to keep doing it until we get it right and um, and and surround ourselves with the grace and the love and the perseverance of the Lord and persist. Right, right. Because you know what? There, you, you're right. There's there's power in our words. Our words pack a lot mm-hmm. of power, right? Absolutely. And they can, they can build up. They can tear down. You know, James talks about the power of the tongue. It can, you know, can do all these mm-hmm. great things, but it can set a fire, you know, that that, that uh, burns the whole thing down. So, yeah, so th- that is a sobering thought. But, you know, you also said something in this book. I'm just going to pull out a quote um, that it just makes me think of this. You say our faith isn't in words. You know, words are just one vehicle for representing God. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's, um, I remember when, at some point in my marriage, I've been married 30 years, so there was a point where we were struggling with each other, and my husband's not one to go to for marriage counseling. That's just not his deal. And so, you know, every time I talk to someone to look for advice, they're like, well, you really have to go to marriage counseling. And I I finally went to the Lord, like, I'm never going to get him to marriage counseling. And the Lord responded, like, is your faith in marriage counseling or is it in me? Because I can work whether he goes to marriage counseling or not. And it was very freeing. And so I feel the same way about words. Like, words are are one tool, and um, we need to be less afraid of them and use them, but... but it's not like really it's the Holy Spirit at work every time. So um, if we if our hearts are right before the Lord and we're obedient, then he's going to bear fruit from what happens, even if we bungle it. 
Absolutely. And that is the good news. And you, you used another word, grace, and that applies too. So, yeah, so, there, you know, it's not to say that our words don't matter. They do matter. But I think what matters more is the, is the intent behind the words. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, well, and the intent and the power of the Lord, you know, so. Yes. Intent is good, but sometimes people use intent to just kind of believe other people or, you know, like just to just like sometimes there are church bullies and we just come out with, you know, well, you know, you're just going to go to hell and that's, and I'm just telling you the truth. Or, you know, they just blurt out truth in unkind ways. And so I talk about that in the book that it's important to, there's a lot of scripture about our words and our, and it starts with our hearts. So, the, we have to really examine our intent before the Lord, because sometimes our intent with correction is not as pure as we think it is. And if we haven't taken it before the Lord first, then um, we're going to walk in there with some mixed intent. Yeah, that's a really good point, because, you know, like you said, you know, our, our hearts, what is it? It's an Ezekiel, you know, deceitfully wicked who can know our own mm-hmm. hearts. So sometimes, yeah, we don't know or we think we know or it's on, you know, well, this is the outward appearance of what I think, you know, but God looks on the true heart. So that's that's a really great point. Um, you know, motivation isn't something that we can even necessarily know ourselves. It takes some outside help. Right. And then, you know, when you were talking just now about the example of, you know, maybe having counseling with your husband who's not quite a talker it it actually reminded me of i think maybe the first story you told in this book about um you know you had a relationship another relationship where uh you wanted to connect with your own father and mm-hmm. you weren't getting a lot of response there and i loved i loved the you know as you were a 10 year old girl what you came up with uh talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that because I, I just the way you put it i'd never heard it put that way Oh, that was definitely from the Lord. Um, my father was just, he was, he didn't talk to me when I was a child. I, he was working full time and he was a volunteer fire chief. He eventually became a paid fire chief. But whatever it was inside him at the time, there were a lot of things going on. I, I did not appear on his radar. And I, you know, like every child wants a full relationship with their parent. And so one day I went to his uh, recliner, and I was 10, and I, it was a commercial because that's the only time I was encouraged to talk was during commercials. But right. I said, Dad, I, um, you know, I am going to just imagine that you're in a coma. And I believe that the dad that I love and need is in there somewhere and can hear me. So even if you can't show me that you love me, I believe you do. I'm just going to keep talking to you when I feel like it. And one day I think you're going to wake up from this coma and we'll have had this relationship going all this time. Um, wow. he, didn't, and- he didn't even respond. He didn't mm-hmm. acknowledge that I'd said. That was kind of an outrageous thing to say. Mm-hmm. He didn't mm-hmm. acknowledge it. But I mean, that's... I, I, in that way, I sort of freed myself. I, I talk in the first chapter about reframing. You know, I, I freed myself from, like, the constant pull of the relationship and went, you know what, this is what I want out of a relationship, and, and this is what I'm going to put in, Dad, and this is what it's going to look like. He didn't object, and he never did object when I would just talk to him. He would still ignore me, but um, sometime around um, the birth of my first child, my dad did really wake up to the people in his life and his, in his immediate circle. And we were very close for many years. My dad's on hospice right now. And, um, he's probably going to go home to be with the Lord any day now, but we have had, I have no regrets. Now we have had a wonderful, wonderful lifelong relationship. 
Wow. And I mean, that's just, that's amazing on so many levels. I mean, that, that you've had that restoration in your relationship, uh, for one, is, is amazing and wonderful. And then going back to you as a 10-year-old girl, um, having, you know, having the presence of mind to, to even approach him that way, that as a 10-year-old, it's very hard to, to think of your parent as a person outside of, you know, just being your parent. But it, it seems that you had that, you know, you realize, okay, this is just not his style and this is not me. It's not a reflection on me. I'm just going to meet him where he's at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was definitely from the Lord. I um, came to know the Lord when I was very young in front of a Billy Graham crusade on television. I went forward, I was probably four years old and um, and I could read very early, and my school would run out of things for me to do, so eventually they let me just bring my Bible and read my Bible when I was done with all my work. So I read the Bible a lot. I was kind of a strange, lonely kid, but that gave me a lot of time alone with the Lord. And so as much as I didn't like it then, now I could see how the Lord used it to um, really deepen my relationship with Him very early on. Oh, yeah. And it's, again, it's in those hard places that we do. We do grow. And right. Yeah. It's not fun at the time, but then you realize, okay, this was for a purpose. It wasn't just for the sake of being hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and now I've watched my dad have his own hard conversations. You know, um, the book isn't just about confrontation. It's not just about having conversations about sin, but... For some people, it's hard to have important conversations where you tell someone how much they mean to you or where you explain, you know, like you talk about death or something, your situation that you're going through. So sometimes those hard conversations are just like, look, I'm depressed and I don't know what to do about it or um, this is how much you mean to me. And I've been very proud of my dad um, and the work that he's done. He was a fire chief for 51 years. And... You know, he's made a he's made a real effort to like he called all of his officers together a few months ago and said, you know, this is where I am. I'm not going to get treatment and let each of them know how much they meant to him through the years and how you know proud he is of them. And so, you know, that's very important work to do to um, not leave important things unsaid. And he's done that with the family. So, you know, he's a great role model for me now of actually having hard conversations. So it's, it's I'm very blessed in that because um, that was just um, directly from the Lord, all that healing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that that again, that is tremendous. And, you know, it kind of puts in mind to me, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with the concept of, you know, the five love languages. Right. Um, right. Another author. And, you know, and that kind of speaks to. All right what you said earlier that, you know, yeah, words are important, but words aren't the only thing, right? Um, It's Mm -hmm. one way of communicating. And, you know, some people just aren't wordsmiths. Some people are, you know, not verbal words, but we communicate in all different ways, right? Through through acts of service, through time spent, through, you know, all these other things. And yet, to do that important work, to go outside of your own comfort zone, to say words that somebody else needs to hear, like, I love you, or I'm sorry, or... I've been meaning to tell you how much you mean to me. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, that that is tremendous. Mm-hmm. And it takes all kinds of... We need, you know, we need to appreciate all the different personalities in the church and all the different strengths. And some people are going to be more gifted with words than others, but just as there are people more gifted with evangelism than others, we all still have the call to speak up and, and be a witness to people around us. 
um, and some are more gifted with teaching than others, but we all are to teach what we know um, on the level that we know it. So, um, like some people, we all have tendencies, and some of us tend, in the book I talk about, um, conversational tendencies, that we can tend to be turtles sometimes, and that's um, some people will tend to be turtles in conversations that when conflict arises or when difficult topics come up, we clam up. We just want to pull back into our shell and just be quiet. Um, some people tend to be conversational hawks, and they, are, you know, they don't have any problem swooping in and sharing their opinions and telling people. They, they get worried if they haven't created conflict. They think they're letting Jesus down if they haven't done that. Right. And then, Prophets, and, yes. <laughs> right? And then there are... There are chameleons, people who, like like Paul, who, you know, could be one way with one group and one way with another, not changing the, the content of his message, but changing his delivery, changing his, the way that he approached things. So some people are more naturally chameleons, and but all of us can learn to kind of do a little better within our own framework. Yeah, yeah, and... Um Here's a quote, actually, that speaks to that. I I just want to throw this back at you because I I really like this quote a lot. You say, the miracle of the church is that becoming more like Jesus doesn't make us identical, but brings out the grain in our individual design. Mm -hmm. And to me, that talks to, you know, everybody's got a different style of, Mm -hmm. uh, of, of conversation reflective of their personality. Yeah, and isn't that, it's it's mysterious, and it's it's exciting that that's true. Like, even that quote, I would not have come up with that quote, except my husband is a woodworker, and, he, you know, he's constantly talking about the grain of wood. I don't notice the grain of wood if you, you know, my life depends on it. But, like, from listening to him and appreciating, he's a very hands-on guy and not big on words. I, I, I often ask him, do words cost you money, honey? Can you, you know, like, can I... <laughs> Because <laughs> there is, you know, maybe there's a I'm going to use that. Week. Yeah, I'm using that <laughs> like, on my but, husband. But I've learned to appreciate that, and so even just that quote comes from, you know, the symbiosis of learning from him and him learning from me. Yes, and again, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot of words, but just it could be just that one, one powerful phrase, like you said that, because that's what stuck out to me about that quote was it brings out the grain in our individual design, and that's that's a powerful word picture right there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's what this book's about. It's not about making you a different person or completely changing your personality, but how do you, starting where you are, just move a little further into this uh, this art of obeying Jesus with our words? Exactly. Exactly, because we're all we're all wired differently, and we're wired for a purpose. So, mm-hmm. so instead of going against the grain, you know, uh, pun intended, you know, to all right. So, God, you wired me this way, and how do you want to work with it? Right, absolutely. And um, and actually, I'm going to jump to this because I just made myself think of this. You talk about speaking of how do you want to work with this, God? It's like the question of what's going on here um and that's not a direct quote but that's kind of what i extrapolated you you talk about all right so i'll jump to this example there was one point where you're talking about an example of having to confront a subordinate at work about Mm -hmm. you know he he was an expert at what he knew but he didn't necessarily communicate well with his co-workers and you were hesitant to you know to confront him so that question of what's going so uh, all right i'm going to shut up and let you talk a little bit more about that 
Oh, so we always think about other people's walls, the walls that people might have up against us and our conversations. Um, but so this this young man, I had to confront him about the fact that he wasn't good with people, and that was an important part of the job. But I kept putting it off because, you know, I was worried about a lot of things. And so I sat down one day and said, okay, what is going on? Why are you avoiding this conversation? And I realized I had a wall up. I was thinking of all these what ifs. What if he doesn't react well? What if he just gets up and walks out? What if he gets angry with me? And so I flipped that and began to think, okay, what if he knows he's not good with people and he's just waiting for someone to come along and help him? What if this could be a turning point in his job and I'm delaying it for him? That broke down the wall that I had and I scheduled a time to meet with him. Um, it turns out he did know he was bad with people and he had been wondering what to do about it. He didn't necessarily want to change. He tried a couple things, but um, he ended up finding another job and, but he was, he was, we left, we parted in a happy way. We, we parted like, yeah, you know a little bit more about yourself. I'm a little less afraid to have hard conversations and I don't put them off as quickly because now I know work through my own what ifs first and get rid of the wall that I have. Um, sort of like Jonah and Nineveh. Jonah was sure Nineveh was, you know, not going to repent. And they were, look, they were all ready to, to repent and change. And he, it was his wall that was the block. Yeah. And starting with that question, what's going on here? And mm-hmm. not, and, and here's the real power in it, uh, kind of harking back to what you pointed out earlier. It's not just what's the, what's my motivation or what's going on here, asking myself. It's, it's inviting Jesus into that conversation. What God, what's going on here? Can you help show me what what's 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 really going on inside of me? What's the why behind this? Absolutely, absolutely. We tend to uh, to trust our own understanding of relationships and situations way beyond um, way more than we trust God's understanding of them. And that's a lot of what this is about. Look, you know, yes, you're afraid that this might happen, or yes, you're worried you might bungle this, but let's look at what God's Word says, that you are equipped for this through Jesus. So which are you going to trust, your fears and your experience with your own bumbling or what He says? And that's where, you know, what it comes down to often. Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, that reminds me of another quote of yours. I wrote this one down. I loved it. What if I spent less time fearing failure and more time preparing to see God work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What? Absolutely. Yeah. What if? Yeah. Indeed. That's and that's a powerful question because I I, I almost kind of want to land there because I, that is something I think so many people, not just me. I'm not making this about me um, entirely. <laughs> but um, you know, this idea, the thing that does paralyze us from having those important conversations, the hard conversations. Like we mm-hmm. to circle back to the beginning, Ugh, I'm going to screw this thing up. I, I just don't want to. It's it's too risky. You know, like what? You know, nobody wants failure. Nobody enjoys making a mess of something or having something not work. But one thing the church needs a huge dose of, and I'm speaking of myself, is I need a constant, constant infusing of humility, infusing of humility. So what better way to maintain our humility than by constantly trying things that we know we might mess up the first time or we might we might not be good at it. But if we keep trying and trusting the Lord, we're going to be a little better at it each time, but we're also going to trust the Lord more each time, and we're going to learn more about grace and grow in our humility. 
Oh my gosh, what better way, yes, to maintain our humility than to put ourselves in situations where we have to be humble. (laughs) Yeah, that makes all kinds of sense. And it also reminds me of a definition of humility that I've heard. I'm sure you've heard it too in your travels that, you know, humility is not just thinking less of myself. It's thinking of myself less. There you go. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And and then and but the real power in this whole sentence and your quote is more time preparing to see God work. So I'm not just thinking of myself less. I'm thinking of oh yeah, God. God is involved in this. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I share a lot of my failures in the book. I, I'm I love Jesus and I want to follow Him, but I'm I'm often kicking and screaming into the adventures He pulls me into. And so, um, and so I mess up, but he's shown me so many times what he can redeem from the things where I've tried to obey and then kind of backed out in the middle or half obeyed. He's shown me that where forgiveness is and where redemption is, and um, I'm very happy to show my failures to people so that they can learn from them, and who knows where those conversations could go. It's very exciting, actually. It is very exciting indeed, and, you know, there is power. There's power in that, in the humility that you speak of, because, again, it's not just, oh, look how humble I am. It's, no, look, look at God. Look what God can do with, and I'm, mm-hmm. I will make this one about me. Um, look what God can do even with someone like me. So you have to know it's God, if, you know, if something good right. is coming out of me. And, and that's the hope for everyone, even if, you know, even if we mess up that conversation or we miss an opportunity or we're dealing with our own walls or we're not even aware of our own walls, there's hope because we have a God who is gracious and kind. And, you know, even when we're faithless, he still remains faithful. Amen to that. So, Lori, thank you so much uh, for this wonderful conversation. But before we end it, we need to let people know how to get this book. I know it's coming out pretty soon as of uh, the time that we're speaking now. I believe it comes out in, like mid-February. Yes, February 19th it releases. And it's it's available in a lot of places. Probably you know, support your local bookstore. Go to them and ask if they've ordered copies. But it's also available in all all the online bookstore outlets that you know of, Walmart, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com. I've seen it on Google Play. So the the publishers made it available wherever books are sold. Lori, once again, thank you so much. And if someone wants to just find you, how how can they do that? Do Do you have your own website? I do have a website, and it's www.loriroe. L-E-V as in Victor, E-L-D dot com, LoriRolavel dot com. And I, I do 90-minute um, uh, hard conversation workshops for churches and for ministry groups. I do a blog. I have other books so that you can find all that at the website and all the ways to connect with me. If you find me on Facebook or Twitter, you'll find me on my website. Please connect with me. I love to meet people. Beautiful. All right, so you've got your marching orders, people, and I'll throw I'll throw that website up when I post the blog on my website. I would love to have you back sometime to talk more about things we didn't get to talk about today, or as you write more books, or really anything anything you want to talk about, because you are. Thanks so much, Nancy. Absolutely. All right, and take care. All right, you too. All right, I'm going to spell Lori's website out for you because we're full service like that around here. You ready? It's L-O-R-I-R-O-E 
L-E-V-E-L-D.com. Lori Roloveld.com. And I think you need to go visit her website right now. Not just to order her book, The Art of Hard Conversations, which, by the way, is out today. Yay! But because she's not just an author and a speaker, I hear tell she's a disturber of hobbits as well. So now you know you have to check her out, if for no other reason than to find out about this hobbit disturbing business she's engaged in. And of course, I want you to visit me. Not a hobbit, but a misfit in my little world, the Isle of Misfits.com. That's I-S-L-E of Misfits.com, where I'm sure we're disturbing something. Because if you're a new follower or a sharer of this podcast, you, my friend, will be entered to win your very own mug, the official beverage receptacle of Misfits everywhere. You know you want one. So get cracking, keep listening, keep owning your awkward, keep loving those misfits you meet along the way. And keep your eyes open for beauty and truth everywhere.